Hello, this is Matt Markstone. I am the host of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. This is the show you were listening to right now. And before we start this week's show, I just want to give you a, a quick word that Glenn DeLacour, my guest, and I, we talk at length about the prospect of faceless Chinese investment in the Southampton Football Club this week. If you have ever dreamt of being a faceless Chinese investor, you can invest in this show. And I'm not even asking for your money. I'm just asking that you invest a few keystrokes in leaving us a review on iTunes. By doing so, you will help us push up the table, up the charts, and challenge the top four. Even though they outspend us, I think we can compete with them. So leave us a review on iTunes. It really does help the show. And now, here's the rest of the episode. Hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. I'd like to thank you for joining us, and no matter where you are listening from, no matter what time it is where you are listening, thank you for listening and downloading and making the show a part of your day or week or whatever it is. Um, you may notice my voice sounds a bit raspy or croaky, and it is because I am battling um, some sickness, uh, sore throat, all that kind of stuff. Um, I hope that we put up a better fight against Chelsea than I have done against this. I feel like I have, I am slowly but surely being defeated. I've been fighting the sickness since I spoke, since before I spoke with uh, my guest on this week's episode, Glenn DeLacour. And uh, you may notice that uh, throughout the interview that my voice sounds a bit like this. And it's partially due to the fact that it was um, very early in the morning where I was or very late at night, depending on how you look at it. And uh, this, this sickness, so it, it, it's there. I hope that doesn't distract you from the conversation that Glenn and I had. And Glenn described his blog during our conversation as something you might hear down at the pub, the the account of the game you might get down at the pub. He is not a professional writer. He is not publishing in newspapers. He's putting it on his own blog. So he gets to say uh, as he likes. And so that is the account that you get. And I think that our conversation is somewhat like that as well. It might be the conversation you have with your friend down at the pub about the game. Um, and the language and everything that goes with that is also there. So I've beeped a few curse words out, but just so you know, those will be um, there. And, and Glenn and I talk specifically uh, about the language and things like that as well. So I hope that you enjoy that. And Glenn's blog is league one minus 10. You can find it at league one minus 10.blogspot.co.uk. You can follow him on Twitter at L one minus 10. And all of the links for those once again are in the show notes. So like I said, my conversation with Glenn is somewhere between the conversation you would have with your friend down at the pub and that late night conversation that you had with one of your friends while you were driving somewhere super late at night. And you were like, man, I wish I could record that because I think I said some really awesome stuff. And then you listen back to it because I actually did record it. And you're like, what in the hell was I talking about? But anyway, I hope you enjoy the conversation. It's fairly lengthy, so you might have to you know, give yourself a break halfway in between. But um, whatever. And uh, if you're listening before the Chelsea game, uh, let's hope that we, uh, we do well. 
Uh, and if you're listening after, it's okay because Glenn and I don't talk specifically about that match uh, that often. So uh, enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. And remember that you can always follow the show on Twitter at SFCDELL underscore IVERY. And the show is now on Facebook at facebook.com slash SFCDELIVERY. That's facebook.com slash SFCDELL IVERY. So please share the show, subscribe, like the page, follow on Twitter, all that stuff. Uh, And be sure to subscribe to our feed on iTunes, Acast, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, here's my conversation with Glenn. I'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all the SFC fans, Glenn DeLacour. You can find him on Twitter at L1-10, and he runs a blog called League 1-10, and he's here to tell us uh, all about that and talk about uh, Saints FC. So, um, Glenn, thanks for joining the show, and I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem at all. I'm assuming a lot of the listeners will at least have some idea of who you are because you are pretty active on social media and the blog's been going for a long time but tell us a little bit about you and, and uh yeah my name's glenn um 48 years old um i live in hedge end just on the outskirts of southampton about four miles away four or five miles from st mary's married got three kids etc uh, regularly go to well season ticket holders along with uh, my dad and my son so there's like three generations of us uh, going up there which is quite good and um, my son started going about five, six years ago. And, and like I said, me and my dad have been going to games since uh, since 1976, funnily enough. Quite a significant year for a number of reasons. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, that, was when we, uh, that was when we started going. So in 1976, I was seven years old, I think. And uh, yeah, it's become, a, it's become a habit that I've uh, never had any inclination to break. You, your son started going, how old was your son when you started taking him? I think I took him to one game when he was about four and, and it was a, a horrific Johnston Paints game against Swindon, and we lost 3 0, um, and oh. it was dreadful. Uh, <laughs> it was absolutely shocking. But uh, he fell asleep on about 70 minutes, so uh, he's, he's forgotten that one quite comfortably. But he, st- he started, I got him his first season ticket about four years ago, so he was about eight, then seven or eight. All right. Um, and um, had to warn him on pain of death not to talk rubbish all the way through the game. Um, we still get a little bit of that now because uh, he still uh, likes quoting FIFA stats at me. Um, yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. But it's uh, no, he's not. He's not. He's not too bad. And uh, yeah, he's now started swearing at games, which is not uh, not brilliant. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a classic in the League Cup final. But uh, yeah, so uh, I think he knows uh, what language to leave at the football stadium and uh, what to take to school with him. Uh, there, there is definitely a, a different set of language for, for each. Uh, as a sc- as a school teacher, I wish more of my students would uh, understand that that uh, that difference. But hey, whatever. Yeah, well, I went into the last parents' evening expecting them to be saying, uh, "Yeah, he's been uh, calling people this, that, and everything." But uh, luckily, none of that so far. So he's obviously quite a sensible lad. Well, good for him. Good for him, and good for you because that means you're doing something right. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. So, uh, where do you guys where do you guys sit now? Because I I've read it on the on on the website and everything, and I've talked to some other people. So there seems to be kind of different sets of fans that sit different places. You know, how, where where do you guys put yourselves and all that stuff? We've moved around a little bit. When we were at the Dell, I used to stand on the Milton Road end. That was the that was the family end. So I started going when I was a kid. So that's where I stood. Okay. And the, you know the habit was formed, and I kind of kind of stayed there uh, the Milton Road end. When we moved to St Mary's. I took what was the 
the equivalent of the Milton Road end of St Mary's, which is the uh, the, which was the, the chapel stand. Um, around about 2004-05, when it was just me and my dad going, um, we just, it was when we got relegated actually, and uh, we decided to go and uh, uh, sit on the halfway line for a bit. So we sat in the Kingsland stand for about four or five years. Um, the trouble with that was, is that whilst the view was great, I was about 38 at the time. I was the youngest person in the whole stand, I think. And my dad was the second youngest. And everyone else was 110 years old. Oh, oh yeah. Um, and it, it, was, it was just it was just funny. I mean, I, a lot of people uh, comment about, um, about the blogs I used to write, about the guys who used to sit behind us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it just used to drive me absolutely bananas every game. And... Um, but I used to tolerate it until I went to the game drunk one day and uh, after about a minute and a half they started and I just turned around and had a right go at them so it's a little bit embarrassing but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but now it's um, it's kind of financial necessity dictates that we sit in the um, in the family stand um, at the chapel end uh, the reason being because when you're on the halfway line there's no concessions for for old people or young people and uh, my dad turned 65 so he was entitled to a cheaper ticket in other parts of the ground. And with my son going as well, okay. there, there's right. no way I could afford sort of like, my dad gets his own, but there's no way I can afford two 700 pound plus uh, season tickets. So the value in the family stand for kids is, uh, is very good. And uh, the family stand has its own problems um, in that you can't, it's very difficult not to sometimes, you know, let a volley of abuse go at someone. Um, I've only really done it once or twice where I've, really uh, let, a, let a horrible volley of abuse go and then you, you turn around and you see people who've got kids who are like three or four and it's like you got absolutely the, got the earmuffs on yeah <laughs> yeah well, my own kid he kind of he's kind of used to it now but uh, but yeah it's uh, it's difficult to keep quiet sometimes and it's usually something really innocuous like an opposition player having a dive in the penalty area or something like that yeah uh, yeah but uh, but, there, but there you go so I'm in the family stand at the moment and it's uh it's interesting. Sometimes you get a two-year-old kicking the back of your chair all game, which yeah. can get a little bit annoying. And uh, but uh, yeah, needs must. I'm afraid it's uh, yeah, because of choice yeah. of that or not going. Then uh, you know it's yeah. an easy choice to make. And at the Dell, was it was there were there sections that were all standing? Well, there was the in in the aftermath of the um, the Taylor report after Hillsborough. Right, uh, and all that. The, the the Dell got converted to all seats, and the the capacity went from I think it was about twenty two thousand down to about fifteen. So I do remember it when it was, you know, there were large sections of the ground that was that were um, that were standing areas, and uh, I remember there being cages in front of the away end, you know, big metal cages and stuff like that. It was uh, it was all pretty horrific when you uh, when you when you look back on it, and you can see on some of the uh, some of the clips that get posted on. Uh, on the Saints uh, Facebook page and stuff like that, you can you can see the the sort of state of the ground in some areas, and the away end was was particularly horrific to look at. But yeah, I, I do remember it, and I did I did stand at that end for years, and it, it did feel very strange when they put seats in at, at the Dell. But you, it's like anything; you soon get used to it. Yeah, the guys like me, that's all that's all we've ever seen. You know, all we ever know about standing sections is either from some of the German clubs that you see every once in a while, or. Yeah. Or looking back, and, and it's always, at least in the media, it's generally portrayed as something that was, you know, a mistake that they've learned from. And, you know, and some people talk about they wish there could be standing sections and all that stuff, and they feel like the atmosphere is better and all that. But, you know, I don't I don't know any different. So, yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I think you, you'll, you'll find people, you know, my age, sort of late 40s, who will 
still sort of like wish they could stand up all the time. Um, but it's it's been a while now in this country, so I don't know if uh, if uh, young people will uh, will be uh, will be as bothered about it. But um, yeah, it does seem a bit heavy-handed at times when, especially when you go to away games where you know the the stewards of that club insist everybody sits down. Um, you know, you, you you've got to see you're not going to hurt anybody. I don't, I don't understand that sometimes. But no, at uh, at the at the chapel end, there's no uh, there's no really there's no real issue with that. You've been a season ticket holder for a long time, you know, and um... yeah, been a season ticket holder since 1987. Uh, that was kind of roughly when I got my first job, I think. Okay. Um, but was a regular since uh, regular at the Dell since '77. Uh, um, we went to most games, and then uh, the tickets got expensive, so I missed a couple of seasons because Dad couldn't afford two adult tickets. I think it was so I missed a couple of seasons around sort of '85, '86, and then uh, had a season ticket since '87. Yeah. Yeah. And all right. So then, how does the blog come into this, and where does it kind of fit into that to that timeline of of you having the season ticket, and kind of you know where does the I guess uh, the inspiration for that come from the blog started I was working abroad and uh, well abroad I was working in Dublin in Ireland and I was I was kind of bored most evenings um, yeah, you could go to the pub which is a pretty good way to spend your time but it, you know I wanted to uh, I wanted to do something else and, and one day I was I was just sort of sitting there and I thought you know what I, I used to write um, stupid match reports for um, you know, we had the fanzine boom in the late 80s where there was like uh, the, these written fanzines for sale outside the ground and I used to write little things in those and um, I, I thought, oh, why don't, why don't I try doing that again? And it, this, this was 2009 and it, it coincided with um, the Liebers and Cortese taking over the club. Okay. And it seemed like a, you know, a new dawn. You obviously never know how it's going to go. You never know whether it's going to be good or whether it's going to be bad, but compared to what had gone on the previous three years, I thought it, it couldn't be worse. Um, and I couldn't really, I couldn't really imagine it being worse. And I was also getting sick to death of reading about what was going on in the boardroom, uh, as opposed to what was going on on the pitch. Everything seemed to be about the chairman or the former chairman or the new, you know, the, and it, it was just rubbish really. And I, I just wanted to uh, sort of talk about football rather than talk about all the mechanics that goes on behind the scenes. Um, I, I couldn't be bothered with it. So I started it really for my own interest, really, just for, just for something to do. Um, and I think as with a lot of these things, you never know. I expect you when you started your podcast, you never knew whether anyone was going to read it or, or hear it or be interested in it. Uh, and you, you start these things just as a little laugh, and then it becomes, um, it becomes a, a bit of a monster. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, and that you know, and that's 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 kind of how it started. Um, and it, it was a lot easier to write at the start when I knew no one was reading it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just it was just me, dad, and me mates that were reading. <laughs> and uh, and and now it's become uh, it's become kind of huge. And I realised that about sort of two or three years ago because of the the comments I was getting. And a lot of the a lot of the nicer comments have been from uh, far flung places because. Um, I didn't really realise this, but I had people from Australia and some from America sort of saying, oh, it's nice to read stuff that, you know, they see it as telling it how it is rather than telling a version that's been sort of sanitised by the club or, or, or is written in a, a very specific way by mainstream media. So it's, it's kind of written in a, well, I think it's like a, a bloke down the pub style. You can imagine someone uh, stood at the bar just spewing all this sort of stuff out and... Uh, 
yeah, it's nice that people enjoy it and uh, and react to it. I, I've read through a couple of uh, a posts, you know, prior to us us talking, and it, it definitely does give you that feeling that it's it, it's a genuine kind of account of what what has been seen and what and what you think. But uh, one thing that I did notice is that it seems like you kind of you do some before the match stuff, and then yeah. you kind of now are you sitting in your seat taking notes on some of the, on some of the matches? This this has changed recently. What what I used to do is I used to just write five or six things down and uh, and and then I go to the match, and then after the match I quickly scribble down a few thoughts, and then over the next day or so I'd just cobble it all together. So it's not often that much of it is written in the form that you see it at the end uh, before the game. Uh, but what's what, what's changed recently to make my life easier is that I've started um, sort of like recording stuff and. Uh, uh, you know, speaking into my phone and getting it translated to text, and that that makes things a little bit easier. Um, even though you do get some quite spectacular um, misinterpretations of what you've said, absolutely. Uh, sometimes, um, I, I the other week I had Fraser catching my balls <laughs> instead of <laughs> Fraser catching a ball, and I actually missed that when I went to edit it and put it out, and some smart ass noticed it and pointed it out, and I'm thinking, well, I can't leave that in there, so I had to. Uh, I had to I had to take that out, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a bit of a labour of love, and it, you know it, it does it does take a bit of time, and there are times when I do think, ah, oh, Jesus, why am I doing this? But uh, it, it's uh, uh, most of the time it, it's fine. It's just occasionally when life takes over and you've got you've got too much else to do, it becomes uh, it it can be a little bit of a chore sometimes. Just that just that pressure of knowing that you know you want you want to get it done in the next uh, next day or so. But yeah. I, I understand that hundred percent with the, <laughs> um, especially because, you know, like you said, it was a lot easier to do when it was the first episode and nobody was listening and you know, it was yeah. me, my mom and my best friend. And then, uh, and, and one thing that I, I noticed is that, you know, you have the mainstream kind of media, you have the club kind of, like you said, the sanitized version of what's going on. And yeah. then you have, you know, there are a lot of different little news outlets and those are a lot of the people that I've been talking to. And I, I appreciate their, you know, their input because they cover, they write all these stories, but they are, you know, you read them in a minute and a half or two minutes, you know, and yeah. then you, then you have your, your longer kind of long form version of, uh, of what's gone on. And it's more of a, I don't yeah. want to say a real account, but is, does that make sense? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, my, my opinion, you know, it, it is my opinion on a lot of things. I don't expect everybody to agree with it. And I, you know, certainly not. I, and I'm not saying it's the only it's the only valid point of view. The way I always try and think of it is it, you know, it's my point of view. I'm putting it out there. If you agree with it, great. If you don't, great. You know, if you don't like my style of writing, you're not going to read it. And it doesn't, I, I try not to be bothered. I get abuse on Twitter sometimes from, uh, that's, that's, that's bizarre. You expect a little bit of, um, <laughs> stuff from, uh, from away fans and, uh, you know, that's fine. I had a great argument with some West Ham fans a while ago, but at least it was, um, you know, it was fairly civil. Um, the, the, yeah, social media is a funny thing. And, um, I know that's one of the things you want to talk about, but it's, uh, yeah, when you start getting abuse from Saints fans, it's just because they don't agree with your point of view. I, I do find that a bit strange sometimes. And uh, I can't be bothered with all that, to be honest. Um, it's, uh, it's uh, that's what the block button is for. Um, you know, I, I just wish people be able to uh, talk about things. It's fine to say, look, I don't agree with you. I think this, that's fine. Let's have a conversation about it. But if someone just says <laughs> you're a wanker because you wrote this, I just think oh, I just can't be bothered. 
as someone with two kids and a full-time job and, and this is a, you know, a hobby, you know, I, yeah. that's, that's not, it's not something I really have time for, but you know, and I, and I didn't mean to, to slight anybody else's writing. It was just that I was just trying to draw the, uh, maybe the comparison. I just want to clear that up for, for anybody who is listening. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, but I just that's say a little bit different. You won't find this style in the mainstream. That's sure. 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 <laughs> that's the good thing about, uh, I think about the internet and about, you know, social media and all that stuff is that you can have these different opinions and, and some people are really going to like your writing. Some people are really going to like reading that, yeah. that type of stuff. And some people are just going to go like, I don't want to read that. And, and then they don't yeah. have to. I mean, you, you touched on it earlier about, you know, my, my stuff being quite sort of lengthy. Um, people, people have short attention spans these days, you know, as we've seen, um, in elections in your good country, for example, uh, people, people like sound bites and, they like short form things these days and you, you get the impression that no one has the attention span to read stuff. So maybe some people just see all these words about a football match and just think, I don't want to read that. I just want to know the score and who scored sort of thing. But, uh, but there you go. It's, uh, it's not going to be for everybody, but, uh, it's not meant to be. It's just, uh, it's just my opinion and people either like it or they don't. And so, so with that, you, you, you talked a little bit about your, your social media stuff uh on yeah. on twitter how when did that come about did that come about uh, before or after the blog or kind of about the same time or uh after um i initially i just put the um any anytime i updated a blog post i put it on the saints web forum um which was um much more active in 2009 when uh, when this all started i can't remember I, I would say i joined twitter about roughly 2012 and so um, started a, started the Twitter account there just to advertise when I'd uh, done something new. Um, and I heard you saying on one of your previous podcasts that you uh, only got into Facebook relatively recently. Well, I've, I've been on Facebook for years, but I only set up the the page for for the blog about about a year ago. So it's uh, so they're the they're the sort of like three main outlets for uh, telling people that I've uh, done something new. Yeah, yeah. For for me. I was using, I used Twitter, I think, I want to say 2009 or 2010 when I first started teaching. Yeah. That is probably my, the main form of social media that I use. And, you know, my entire family's on, on Facebook, which is part of the reason I didn't want to be on there. <laughs> you know, I love my yeah. family and, and all that stuff, but I don't, I really, some of the things I say online, some of the things I, I don't need to, to share that with them, you know? Um, uh, it's, it's interesting you say that because with Facebook's an interesting one because I had a Facebook account first that was, you know, me and me mates. Now, my, my uh, the dark part of my history is that I was uh, I was born in Southampton and I lived here till I was eight, and then we moved to a place called Waterlooville, which is very much in Portsmouth country. Um, because back we actually moved on the day Elvis died. I do remember that. But um, Waterlooville was about six or seven miles north of Portsmouth, and um, so from age eight to twenty three, uh, I lived there. So I have a lot of mates from that time. Uh, who are Portsmouth fans, and we all get on fine. But um, but yeah, they didn't. They didn't. You know, I used to post on Facebook that I'd done a blog and stuff, and they we're not interested in your blog. We're Portsmouth fans. <laughs> oh, fair enough. So it was actually uh, it was actually that that prompted me to start the uh, the actual League One minus ten page. So uh, all right. So yeah. So that's uh, that's an interesting uh, interesting bit of history there. But I I came back here when I was twenty three, and uh, I've lived there ever since. So that's uh, another twenty five years on now. So. Yeah, but yeah, most of my mates from that period are, are Portsmouth fans, so they're all celebrating at the moment. And uh, yeah, fair play to them, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
uh, I think I've, I've I've maybe tried to explain it. Like I I understand the rivalry, but I don't yeah. quite understand the rivalry. You know, um, just because I don't I've never lived anything like that. So mm-hmm. it's you know we we have had the occasional kind of fan violence thing here. We had a, a Giants fan die a few years ago opening day at Dodger Stadium. Um, yeah, you know, but that that gets blamed on other issues that we have, you know? Um, and so it's difficult for me. And, and, and so, you know, you never know if it's, if it, is it okay to have a friend who's a Portsmouth fan or is that going to happen or, you know, (laughs) yeah, of course it is. I mean, to me anyway, they're, they're mates first and foremost. And, uh, I I think I wrote a little line at the end of, um, at the last blog about them getting promoted where, yes, you know, they, there's one lad of mine, uh, one lad I know whose uh, who's brother died relatively recently. And these are two lads I used to play football with when I was a kid. And, you know, it, it just, it just showed, it just said to me that, you know, these are people who support their football team. Okay. As far as I'm concerned, they support the wrong football team, but when Portsmouth do well, it makes them feel as good as it does me when Southampton do well. So it's uh, it was a, it's a nice thing to have, for for these lads to have something um you know nice going on that uh, maybe helps them escape from uh you know some of the tougher stuff in life so that's good um so fair play it it, it will make it more interesting if they uh, get to within one division of, of us but as, as long as they stay below us i uh, i don't really care but but get me don't get me wrong there's a there's a definite difference between the portsmouth fans who are your mates for whatever reason and the ones that are not. I mean, if you just see a random Portsmouth shirt walking down the street, you, you, you kind of, you know, f- mate. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, well, you know, I think they're people are mates first and foremost. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's how it should be. Yeah. All right. I, I guess that brings up one other question. Would you prefer they stay below Southampton or, do you, or would you at some point like to see them oh. maybe come up to so that we can have that kind of rivalry renewed or or what? what? Um, it doesn't really bother me that much. Uh, I don't really, to be perfectly honest, apart from when I see my mates who are Pompey fans and see their reactions to it, it doesn't really affect me one way or the other. I mean, we only live 15 miles, uh, 15, 16 miles from Portsmouth. But it's, I mean, I couldn't tell you one of their players now, for example. And, I, you know, you, you see the league table and see where they are. And I was, I was kind of hoping they'd blow it. <laughs> <laughs> and, not, and not go up but when you know when they did you sort of think oh well whatever there's still two leagues below us but it's uh yeah i mean the, the the when you when you play them in a match it is very very different the atmosphere is very very different we we need something at St Mary's to get the crowd going sometimes that's that's a fact and uh, when when you play when you play against Portsmouth the atmosphere is completely different so there's two ways of looking at it you know what and when they're down there, you've got bragging rights and you can laugh at them and all that sort of stuff. But, um, you know, the, the, the games, they do have a special atmosphere about them when you do play them. So in some ways, it's a good thing when they do happen. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it either way. Fair enough. Um, I, I have to say that when I my this my whole kind of soccer football journey kind of started, my, my friend who's the Arsenal fan made me read this book called uh, Bloody Confused. I don't know if you've oh. ever heard of it. No, I've never heard of that. Uh, basic basic premise is it's this uh, this American writer, a sports writer. He gets divorced, winds up moving over to to London, or he meets his wife and moves over to London, something like that. And this is I I, I want to say early nineties maybe. 
yeah, uh, something like that. He's trying to you know get into the into the culture and all that stuff. So he starts trying to go to matches, and the first thing he does is he gets on a train, goes to the wrong ground because in America the home team's always listed second. So he tries to go to a match, <laughs> shows up, and the guy's like, "What what are you doing? There's no match there." You know, he's he's gone like all the way up to Sunderland from London, um, yeah. and 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 completely screwed it up. Um, then he shows up to a, a derby match somewhere and can't get in because he's not affiliated with either of the clubs, so they won't sell him a ticket. So he's, you know, he, it takes him weeks and weeks and weeks to get into a ground finally. Um, yeah. And so this, for me, this is kind of the, uh, you know, this is how I'm viewing all of this and I'm trying to learn about it and all this stuff. Um, but that that was kind of an interesting uh, perspective for me to, to to do this because it's 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 unlike kind of anything else. I mean, here you can walk up to any any sporting event, maybe save, you know, a, a really big, um, American football match and buy yeah. a ticket and walk in, you know, no big deal. Um, things, things yeah. just don't do yeah, that. That is, that is very different. Yeah. But I mean, it's just for, I mean, other sports you can, you can more or less do that. I think, um, I, I don't think there's the, the issue of, um, you know, segregation so much that they have to be very careful about who they sell the tickets to. But yeah, I, I mean, I guess uh, I guess a lot of it is uh, legacy back to the bad old days of hooliganism, but you know, there you go. I think uh, yeah, the Americans have probably got it right. I think we're probably a little bit too aggressive here. And uh, but yeah, that that story about him going to the wrong ground is amusing. I do know someone who um, who shall remain nameless who the first time he tried to go to Tottenham uh, got off the tube at Tottenham Court Road, which is nowhere near Tottenham's ground. And uh, was wandering around in central London looking for the ground and uh, being too embarrassed to ask anybody where it was. And uh, I think got to the game at half time. So, uh, <laughs> all right, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make too much fun of him because I've I've driven around, <laughs> I've driven around other cities, and um, there have been kind of a few issues going on. But I guess let's just start with with the season. We're we're coming in up on the run in here. We have a, a tough run in uh, to say the least. Yeah. Um, but you know, I guess coming from the, the, the spot where you've been kind of a regular for, you know, God, the best part of I guess, 30 or 40 years, 40 I guess. Years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, so, so seeing where saints are now, yeah. you know, finishing top 10, most yeah. likely having been to the cup final. Um, what is, is that a successful season from your perspective or, you know, what, what, what do you think? I think you always want to be doing better than you did last year. And for the last six or seven years, we've done that. Um, and this is, this was always going to be the first season where we didn't finish as high as we did last, the, the previous season, you know, in that six or seven years for the simple reason that two of the, two of the big clubs, Chelsea and Liverpool really underperformed last year. Um, we did relatively well and, and ended up finishing sixth. Um, there was really no way I don't think we were going to finish above them this year. Um, and so, you know, we could well still finish eighth this year and we could finish as low as 15th. Um, but, but if you look at it from the perspective of, you know, what I've been used to as a Saints fan, then yes, it is a good season. Um, I, I still remember a season in the early nineties where we finished 10th when Alan Ball was manager and remembering that as being a great season. Um, a lot of people won't remember this as a great season, this one we're in now, because they'll just see that we've, you know, we finished sixth last year and we're going to finish wherever this year. But uh, I think you do have to have a, 
a sense of perspective. Um, you know, most of what I remember about Saints was us battling at the bottom of the uh, of the top division for years on end um, during you know Matt Letizia's era at the club, really, where we, you know, we finished fifteenth, sixteenth, seventeenth, seven, eight seasons in a row or whatever, and that that's not where I expect us to be now. But it's uh, and it's it's nice to not be in that position. But uh, I think the question is, will the board see it as a as a successful season? You know, what will have been the targets that um, that were set at the start of the year when uh, Claude Peel came in? I mean, you would assume that the board has the. I want to see constant improvement. I think all the fans do. But sometimes, you know, new manager losing lots of players. At some point, they have to know that that's not going to happen. Does that make, is that Am, it's, I, it's, am I wrong it's always, it's always a risk. We, we put a lot of faith in our scouting system and and, um, and the academy, obviously, to, to keep supplying players to replace the ones we sell. It it can go wrong very quickly. You've only got to have a bad, one bad transfer window, sign a couple of duff players that really don't work. For example, if, if we sell Virgil van Dijk this summer and th- we get a replacement in and he's not good enough, um, then we will struggle. That. So you're always taking that chance and, and hoping that you, you, you know, the the player that you sign is able to step into the Premier League if they come from abroad. Um, it's it's always it's always a bit of a risk. So you're, you know, making decisions all the time. Some of them can go wrong, and luckily we've had more go right than wrong in the last. Uh, well, I'm sure it's not luck. I'm sure it's down to hard work. But you know, we've 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 done okay the last sort of four or five years with replacing players. But it, it does worry me that if you keep trying to do that, eventually it's going to go wrong. Yeah, like like you said, it only takes kind of one mistake. And I think we've seen that up front this year to an extent where we were left for a large portion yes. of the season without somebody who could replace Sadio Mane or Graziano Pella. Yes. And, and, and we struggled as a result. And I think the manager took the brunt of that. And, and some of it's, I think, warranted. Some of it's fair. But... At the same time, yeah, what, what, go ahead. When Claude Peel came in, he came in with a reputation of playing this diamond formation in midfield. But prior to that, Les Reed had always come out and said that we want all the club, all the teams at the club, so the youth team right on through to the first team, to play the same way. This was this sort of Barcelona approach they were taking. So and the formation under Ronald Koeman was the 4-2-3-1 formation. Les, um, Claude had this diamond formation. So we started that. Started with that, so he was allowed to change the way. You know, it was almost like he'd gone against the philosophy of the club. He was allowed to do that, right? And right. play this diamond formation in midfield. It didn't really work um, because we didn't really have the players to do it, or he couldn't get his ideas across for whatever reason. It didn't really work. Um, and then we went to this four-three-three, which was basically involved slinging in a load of crosses from the wide areas and having one player in the box. You know, no midfielders getting forward and. It, that didn't work either. Um, the odd game it worked, but most of the time it didn't. And and lo and behold, now we're back to the formation that we had for the previous two seasons. And, and in the main, it's looking slightly better. So uh, what that says about Claude, I don't know. It, it, it either says that, you know, he's, um, he's willing to change things around. It either says he's not stubborn and he, he's willing to change things to, you know, to, to get the best out of everybody. Or it says he doesn't really know what he's doing and he's just throwing it at the wall. Um, you know, so I'm a bit, I'm a bit undecided at the moment as to, um, as to how things have gone. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's fair enough. I was talking to Chris about this. 
you know, when you start looking at the trips into Europe, he was talking yeah. to me about going to Inter and, and, and that. And, you know, he said that was such a special kind of time for the fans that were there and all that stuff. And my perspective was, well, like, I understand it's special and I want it to be special, but I don't want it to be so special because I want it to be something that we do more often. And, yeah. and it, it really looked like, you know, you know, part of the reason that he, that Puel was brought in is, is he has this European experience and he knows how to manage that. And, and it, and it almost looked like he really didn't do a very he good job. Of it. It. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, that, that to me was the single dis- biggest disappointment of the season. Um, we, that group was bang average. And for us not to qualify from that was pretty disgraceful. Bearing in mind that the, the one decent team that were in it, Inter Milan, they were a shambles as well. And we couldn't get results against the you know the Israeli team, Hapoel, and the game away at Sparta Prague. That that goes in the list of top five performance, top five worst performances I've ever seen in my entire life. I just you know he 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 blew that. So whether whether it was because you know Claude didn't understand the demands of the Premier League, whether he over rotated the players, or for whatever reason it didn't work. And I think. That was uh, that was a very poor and a definite uh, low point to the season. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that particular match. You know, I, I read a few of your blog posts, and that's one of the ones I I clicked on and read. I believe it was Prague defeat, and uh, oh yeah, I think I just I saw the picture on the side and I was like, oh, I'll read that one. That was that was fantastic. So yeah, <laughs> I, I think I understand your thoughts on that on that match pretty it's, clearly. It's, uh, yeah, it's easy it's easier to write when the when the team's crap. It really is because you've got more things to dig at. Um, it's like it was easier writing about some of the crap players that we had in League One than uh, than it is about some of the guys we've got now because some of some of them were just absolute comedy gold, but. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, yeah. So from a from a creative point of view, it's uh, it's quite nice when we're rubbish. But I'd rather I'd rather not, to be honest. Right, right. <laughs> um, so so I guess moving forward now, like there's there's a lot of talk about the sale of the club, and it was around yes. a couple of weeks ago, and then it went away, and then now all of a sudden it's back. And and yeah. my yeah. my relationship with the English mainstream media is probably you know I don't trust it as far no. as I can throw it. You know I am not the in, the antagonizer ever you know i don't like to do that but somebody one of the one of the outlets posted a, a an article about david de gea it says he, he he put his house on the market to um to increase the transfer rumors uh, and i was like really that's that's the reason he, he put his house on the market because he just wants no, to stir I up think, some speculation i think you're i think no, you're full think of it that, you know you know i think the, the the media are looking for any sort of slightest tenuous link uh in order to put a transfer rumor on, especially when you've got, you know, a club the size of Manchester United and the amount of clicks that will generate on yeah. whatever website. So if the has put his house on the market, then, um, that, that will have, that will have been used. That would have been spotted by somebody. And, um, mind you, I knew a player was leaving Saints once because he put his house on the market. Um, I don't know if you remember Dean Richards, uh, rest in peace. He was, uh, he was, uh, he was a, uh, centre back for Saints in the late nineties, I think. And uh, Glenn Hoddle was our manager at the time. And Glenn Hoddle went to Spurs. And about three weeks after Glenn Hoddle had left, my dad was looking for a house, and uh, he uh, knocked on the door, and Dean Richards answered it. <laughs> <laughs> so my dad said, "Oh, Carl, you're off then." And he, he was like, "Don't believe everything you read in the papers." But um, sure enough, he was. And jeez. Uh, oh, yeah, so my dad bought Dean's, Dean Richards' house. The interesting thing about it was that um, my dad came round to my house and said, um, "Look, looking to buy a house off Dean Richards. And I said, oh, how much is it on for? And he told me, and I said, well, he's a footballer. He's probably on loads of money. He's probably going to Tottenham. So 
really take the piss with your offer. Give him a low offer. And see <laughs> so I think he offered about 50000 below the asking price and he took it. Oh, nice. Well, he just wanted to get out of here. He had to get yeah, to London. He, just wanted, he obviously wanted to leave really badly. Oh, jeez. That's funny. <laughs> Does your dad still live there? Uh, Mum and dad lived there until about two years ago and uh, okay. they, they've moved now. But, right. uh, but yeah, they lived there for a while. With the, the, all of that kind of going on what what do you make of the of the sale of the club because i have a feeling this kind of ties into the the name of your blog and all that stuff oh, oh the, the name of the blog was simply um where we were at the time we'd you know we'd just been in administration we'd we'd been relegated anyway um from the championship to league one um through the conventional method of being crap um but we we went into administration um after there's a deadline and i can't remember when it is end of march i think it is and if you go into administration after the end of march you get your minus 10 points the following season as opposed to the season that you're in but we had to start the following season on minus 10 points so it was slightly strange seeing the you know seeing all the teams listed at the start of the of our first league one season and you're already at the bottom and we were already at the bottom 10 points behind everybody else and so that was when the libos bought the you know bought the club at that point and, and and that was when I started writing. So it was yeah, it was kind of coincidence. And I I just thought, oh, it sounds like it sounds like quite a good name. And and it's uh, yeah, it's uh, I like the name. And yeah. uh, someone said to me once that the, the name was the best thing about it, which is, <laughs> wasn't too sure I had to take that, but uh, I'll take any compliment going. I think it, but, it uh, is it is it is interesting. And when Chris was trying to explain to me, it, it all kind of clicked and made sense, similar to his um, the the story about his, how his blog, the name of his oh, blog, George Wise cousin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I saw I saw that game. I was I was at the Dell for that game. That Were was, you? Uh, oh, that was amazing. Yeah, I mean, we'd heard about the guy and saw him on the bench and it's the usual thing whenever you see a new player on the bench you haven't heard of you think you know he might be brilliant it's like when uh, marion pahars was at the club uh, i know that that was later i think but uh, you know you see a new signing from abroad and and you, back then there weren't as many players from abroad and you think oh this guy this guy must be brilliant and he, he came on and he nearly scored with his first touch um, right and after that he was he he ran around like he'd never even seen a football before but the but the the whole story. I mean, we lost the game. You know, we lost we lost a lot of games then. But it, it's just so funny that whole story about um, the fact that it was Matt Letizier that got substituted for him because he was injured. Right. The fact that it was uh, Graham Souness who was our manager at the time. Um, I don't know if you know much about Souness, but he, he's a he's a big foot a big figure in football history. He takes himself very very seriously. So the fact that he got conned by a phone call is hilarious. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of a, a pivotal uh, uh, joke moment in in our history. So uh, yeah, it's a good one to remember. Back to the the sale of the club to the yeah. lander. Now, does that where does that sit with you as as a, as a longtime fan? I am unclear as to exactly how we fell into administration, but I know that that the Liebers did kind of revive that and save that and, and bring it all about. And I know Marcus is a huge kind of figure. And I think his daughter has has kind of run the club for the past few years. I yeah. think since he passed away, and now it looks like as though she's she's going to be selling the majority of it off. Yeah. Uh, but what like how does that sit with with you as a fan who's been there for for so long and through so much? It's well, it's an unknown. Um, in the same way that the Liebers were un, were were unknown, um, but we were desperate at that point, and. I think we'd have taken absolutely anybody at that point because there was a real chance of the club going out of business in 2009. Um, 
this is slightly different because we've had constant progress since 2009. Um, I, I got the impression we're at, we, we reached the stage where Katerina Lieber didn't, doesn't feel like she can take the club any further for whatever reason. She probably financial, she feels like she can't do it. But I think what's what's been apparent about the Lieber since day one is that they've been a very safe owner. Um, English football is littered with clubs who have had shocking owners who have, you know, taken the club to the wall sort of thing. Um, you've got Lake Norian, there's a situation going on there uh, in the lower leagues, which is uh, which is pretty bad. You've had Coventry City, which has been shocking in the last few years. Um, so the Levers were always a very safe bet. So whether they, whether they pushed us on or whether we stayed where we were, they at least were stable. Um, this selling to a, a Chinese company I've never heard of, you know, it, it could be anything. It could be great. It, you know, they, they could pump millions into it. They could run it in a sustainable way like the Libras have done. Or they could just be distant owners who don't really get involved much I, until we know more about it and, and get to sort of like see these people being interviewed. I don't think anyone can really judge how it's, uh, it's going to go. Um, personally, I'm a bit risk averse, I think. So I, I would uh, I would have been happier if this wasn't happening. But it looks like it is. So, uh, yeah, we just have to get with it and hope it, uh, hope it all works out. A couple of the people that I've, I've, I've talked to just, you know, kind of on the side, not on the podcast or anything have been, this, this will be a good thing because this will be an influx of money. And, and I think they see, I think like, like you said, they see, they see Chelsea with, with Abramovich and all that stuff. And they see, um, you know, how many teams have shirts that say fly Emirates on them. You know, they, they see yeah, yeah. that and, and, and they think, Oh, that's where we're going. That's what we're going to do. But I think there are definitely more of the kind of distant owners. I think, I think Watford are owned by a, a group that have three top tier clubs and they kind of just shuffle players in and out of all three yes. clubs. And that, and that, that, yeah, what, what good that. has it done them? You know, I don't want to do that. I'm very uncomfortable with the, with the model of owners owning more than one club. Um, it's, yeah, I'm not a, not a great fan of that. And I wouldn't want us to go down that road. I mean, you, men, you mentioned Watford. I think Troy Deeney, their captain, I think he stays at the club. <laughs> And I think he's the only one that does. They seem to have a new 11 players and a new manager every season. Yeah, yeah. And they get seven players on loan from some Italian club. And you think, well, what, is, what is that all about? That There's no identity of the of the club or what makes a Watford player. It just seems like whoever they can get hold of. It's a bit like a Sunday league team. Yeah. You know, it's like whoever you can get, you know, you get a guy who's walking by the side of the park who looked like he might be able to play a little bit. You know, you don't know anything about him. But you you suddenly ended up with um, with all these players at your club, and uh, I wouldn't want us to go down that road. No. no, that that is what I I fear a little bit. You know, I, there's no way for me to say that that's that's what they're doing, and and I don't think really uh-huh. anybody knows because it's this big kind of corporate group or whatever. So it, you, there's not even really a face attached to it, as far as as far as I know. I think all we can hope for is that with with the levers being as stable as they have been, is that you know, and they've got most of their decisions right since they've been here. You just got to hope that they've got this one right. And uh, the fact that uh, it looks like she's keeping a 20% um, stake in the club, you know, that's probably only a temporary thing just to smooth the transition or whatever. But, uh, you know, I just hope that they've, uh, they've chosen wisely and, and uh, they know who they're uh, partnering up with. Yeah. Maybe the Libras have earned the trust of the fans and, and maybe it's time for us to kind of give them that, you know? They should have done. Yeah, they should have earned the trust of the fans. And, yeah, we just got to hope that it's, uh, that it's the right thing that they're doing. There are a number of other things we have 
transfer speculation and all that stuff. And yeah, and I I was kind of looking at you know it's only April, you know, and all of a sudden the transfer rumors are, are flying about and and here we have you know Virgil Van Dyke being licked to everyone under the sun. Yes, he is. I think our best player. Yeah, without doubt. I think he's one of the best defenders in in Europe, flat out. Period. I'm picking him all the time. Do you think that he does leave? Uh, Southampton this this summer, or do you think maybe we get another year out of him, or or what do you what? Do you... I think the bottom line is whether he wants to leave. If he wants to leave, then he will go. There's no doubt about that because we can get a huge amount of money for him. If you look at most of the big clubs, with the exception Spurs and Chelsea, defensively, most of the big clubs in England are a shambles, and he would improve any one of their teams, and they're not shy of throwing money around. Um, so if you look further afield um, I mean I think he's good enough to play for a Barcelona or someone like that in my opinion he'd improve the Barcelona team yeah because uh, yeah. they've got midfielders playing centre back and things like that at the moment um, so you know and there was a there was a there was a link to Real Madrid and, and if these sort of clubs come calling there's there's nothing you could do I'd be desperately disappointed if he went somewhere like Liverpool or Everton and I think Parmi would actually be quite pleased if he did go to Barcelona or Real Madrid. That would actually be, you know, a decent result all round because we'd get we'd get good money for him. And whilst I'd uh, whilst I'd love him to be playing for us next year, I think I'd be very surprised if he is um, because I just think the the amount of money that these clubs can throw around. But then maybe the um, maybe the land of, you know if they if they do take over, maybe maybe that will change the situation. But I. Uh, I can't see it. It'll probably be a stick to hit the new owners with straight away for a lot of people. Um, yeah. You know, we yeah. thought you were going to put loads of money in and you've sold our best player straight away. Well, you know, they'll be accused of asset stripping and all that sort of stuff. But yeah. if he goes, then it won't be any different to, to, you know, what we've done the last three or four years. But uh, it will be a shame. But if I had to put money on it, I'd uh, be very, very surprised if, he'd, uh, if he was with us next year. Yeah, I... You know, if he goes to Barcelona or Real Madrid or something like that, you have to kind of just look and go like, we we were on it first. You know, nobody else signed him from Celtic. Yeah. You know, and you know there is that. I'm, I'm going to mention the devil's name here, but like there is that connection with Ronald Koeman and yeah. Koeman played for Barcelona, and you know, so there is that, and that's got to be. You, you almost have to think. You know, you come here, <laughs> then you go there. Um, and they probably thought they were going to be together a little bit longer, but like, I think he's definitely that good. And, and Barcelona's defense is absolute crap at the moment. So, um, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, that's, that's just something I've noticed. I'm not seeing any rumors linking him with Barcelona. Or right, 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 right. But, but that to me, that's the, that's the sort of level that Virgil van Dijk could play at. Um, if used in the right way, you know, he is that good. He, he does have the odd lapse of concentration sometimes, but there are a lot fewer than, you know, he had a couple of years ago when he was at Celtic. So, yeah, he, he is improving. He's the right age. And, you know, sometimes you end up with a player who is uh, too good for you. And, you know, he is that, I'm afraid. Yeah. So when I really fell in love with Southampton, it was it was partially because of uh, Alderweireld and watching him play. And I still I will watch Spurs just to watch him and Vertonghen play defense. That's that's what I like to yeah. see, you know. And uh, so to see you know, font play and then see Alderweireld play and then see, you know, oh, we managed to then see Yoshida come in and go, God, we got to get somebody else. And then we did. Um, and then, uh, you know, it's been, it's been good. And and then, you know, now we have the uh, Yoshida and Stevens. It's definitely not the same. 
Uh, no. But they are, you know, they're trying. And Nishida's improved vastly, but I just don't think he's, you know, whenever I see him with the armband on it, kind of, uh, as much as I want to be really happy for him, I, I'm worried more so. I, I think with, with those two, with the, with the two we've got now, it's interesting because we're, we're playing Chelsea um, in a couple of days and we, we played Manchester City a couple of weeks ago. When we had, you know, Van Dijk and Font and we had midfielders like Schneiderlin and Wanyama, um, we could defend deep against teams like that and be fairly confident of keeping them out and then play on the break. Um, we're not good enough to do that now. And I think we tried to do that against Manchester City and they were always going to score. Um, you know, we, having Van Dijk and Font at centre-back is is a world away from having Yoshida and Stevens at the back. And uh, but, but also... the. the the screen in midfield as well. It's just it's just not really there, especially in that city game without Romeo being being uh, available. Right. So I think it, you know we we've had a good defence, um, though um, he's become a bit of a figure of ridicule. Uh, Dayan Lovren was a good player for us. Um, obviously, Aldevaro was a brilliant player for us, along with and and Van Dijk's been the same. So you do need to have um, a, a strong central defence and central midfield and. Uh, that's where we're just falling down a little bit this season, I feel, especially in the last sort of few months. Speaking of Chelsea, yes, how, how do you how do you how do you think we're going to do there? I well, expect us to lose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think you can really expect much else. I, I watched their semi final yesterday, and it it was ridiculous with the the players they could bring, you know the players they could start with and the players they could bring off the bench. You realise how good they are. Yeah, and. It's, it's definitely different this season. The bigger clubs have all stepped up their game and it, it's, get to the, it's getting to the point where you look at them and think, how on earth can we get a result against these guys? Um, so in Claude's defence, I, I don't think it really matters what we'd have done against Manchester City. I think we would have lost anyway. But at home, you, especially, you, you've got to have a go. You know, it, To me, I think I wrote in the blog, it just seemed like we, we turned up, we knew it was going to be hard, we got beat and then we went home. We didn't really do anything. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it was, it's like, you know, we didn't give them a punch in the face at all. We just, uh, you know, it's just like turned up rubbish. And uh, against Chelsea, I, I, I think we're, we're probably better against the, the bigger teams away from home uh, than we are at home. But uh, I'm not expecting us to get anything out of this game, especially, you know, we basically have not much to play for. They have a hell of a lot to play for. Yeah. Whatever 11 players they put out I anticipate it being too strong for us. And the thought of, um, you know, my, my problem with Yoshida and Stevens is whenever there's a physical battle to be had, they're, um, you know, with a big centre forward or whatever, they're, they're, they're just not up to it. And there's no dominant header of the ball. There's no someone who's, you know, really going to be nasty back there and, and, you know, control a striker, put him in the back pocket sort of thing. Diego Costa against Stevens and Yoshida just gives me to be honest, I think he's just going to smash him around all over the place. Yeah, and, that, uh, that it, it could be horrible. That's not the type of player that they thrive against, you know. No, um, no. And to quote your blog, it said, "In comes the corner, and company man shames Yoshida to a massive degree and batters the header straight oh, at yeah, Fraser." Yeah, uh, and and that's true. You know, uh, yeah. it it is a physical battle. They are probably just not quite going to win, and it's they do, they do some very good things. On the floor, um, Stevens. I've seen Stevens play a few times for you know the under twenty threes, and I saw him play for the England under twenty ones. And 
I didn't think much of him. I have to say, I never thought, didn't think anything of him really. I just thought he's just a lump. He's just not very good at all. And he hadn't got anywhere near the first team in four years or whatever of being at um, of being at Saints. And um, he's been a lot better than I expected. Um, he's a very good footballer on the ground. Um, I wonder if he'd make a better midfielder, to be honest. Um, you know, in the in the centre of midfield. However, there's the, there's those times in the game where you've just got to stick your head in there and and head the ball. And that that Vincent Company goal that 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 said it all. I know that was Yoshida who got battered out of the way, but it. It, um, you know, we, we somehow we managed to keep out all their decent football and all their fast-paced inter-passing and all that, and eventually we get done on a header from a corner. And, and that's just that's just a horrible way to uh, let a goal in when you've worked so hard to sort of like keep a very very talented team out. And uh, and you, you know you go back to the League Cup final. That was a classic. We didn't deal with. Ibrahimovic and that's why we lost you know horrible defending in that game um, and uh, yeah horrible defending against City but the, the other problem against Chelsea is the midfield when we played them at home um, we uh, Kante and Matic in midfield for them totally bossed our midfielders and that's going to be the same as well on uh, on this game I, my, my problem with um, Stephen Davis playing in that defensive midfield position is that uh, he's a good player against the, you know, the the sort of bottom half teams. Um, but against the physically strong teams, um, he he just gets run out of the game and uh, knocked all over the place. Um, against Tottenham, against Wanyama and Dembele, he he hardly got a kick. Against Kante and uh, Matic, it'll be the same. It will. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see whether he uh, whether he picks Davis for uh, for that Chelsea game. Yeah, we'll we'll have Romeo back, thankfully. Yes. But- but it's it's still going to be one of those situations where, you know, I I, I don't think we can get it done. Um, and it's just it's just I, well, that's just the way it is. Yeah, you never know. We won the three three one last year, but that was in the middle of their their Mourinho meltdown. Um, so you know we we got a very unexpected but very good result there last year. But this year it is very hard to see us uh, getting anything at this game. So uh, not very optimistic. But you know I don't think there's. I think that's it's realistic, um, but I'm I'm very poor at predicting the outcomes of games. That's why I'm not rich. I do these accumulators and I lose every single week. So um, uh, what do I know? So, but I, I would be surprised if we uh, get anything out of that. Um, yeah, I don't I don't really see us doing a, a whole lot there, especially given the fact that we I think we kind of have to get three points against Hull, and maybe have to is a strong a strong word because it is. Like we're relatively safe, but we're a lot closer. Yes. We're a lot closer to fifteenth than we are, you know, to seventh. You know, I think it, I think it's important from the uh, point of view of perception, maybe of um, a of fans and b of players who might want to join us next year. If they see us finishing fifteenth, you know, they may be less inclined to do so. But at the end of the day, it's all down to what's in the what's in the contract, I guess. But um, yeah, I, you know. It, be nice to finish in the top ten, and I reckon that's that's what the target is this year. But um, I think with the game, with the games we've we've got to come. I know you want to talk about this later. But, you know, catching West Brom, it, it should be it should be feasible. But I I feel there there are other teams that may catch us as well. But who knows? I, you know, we we should certainly finish top ten. I think lower than that will be disappointing. All right. So we, we've kind of talked about Chelsea. We've talked about the the club kind of in general. 
we do have a couple questions from from listeners here. Uh, okay. George George Monders uh, at Monders nineteen ninety five asked us, "Will VVD leave?" And we kind of talked about that. But Delta Sphere, uh, his name is uh, at Delta Sphere forty one. He has asked, uh, "Why do people from outside Southampton support Saints?" And that's I guess more for me than you. But uh, yeah. we talked about you being a Saints fan for a long time. But what kind of how did that come about? If if I can ask, um, family. Um, my, my dad uh, had been going to games I think since the nineteen fifties. Uh, he talks about a player called Derek Reeves as um, as his first sort of hero, and and then in the seventies it was all about Mick Channon. Um, and Terry, uh, Mitch Chan and Terry Payne, those sorts of players. Um, he started. My, my first game uh, was the first game I went to was in uh, was in 1976, just before the cup final. And it's uh, it's quite a, it's quite a famous game because uh, believe it or not, my first game was at Fratton Park, um, and the Saints went down there and we won one nil in the last minute. And I didn't appreciate this at the time, but us winning one nil there um, meant Portsmouth were relegated from the old Division Two. Uh, didn't appreciate that at the time. Uh, learned a whole load of new swear words that day, obviously. Uh, <laughs> so that was my first game. And, and straight after that, we won the FA Cup final, which I didn't go to. Um, but it's funny, as a seven, eight-year-old kid, whatever I was, you know, that kind of cements your support for life. Um, a, it's your local team. B, they just won the FA Cup. So I thought, right, 1976, this is great. Obviously, we're a great team and we're going to win a trophy every year. Um, still waiting <laughs> hasn't, been, <laughs> hasn't really worked out that way so uh, can't really be accused of being a glory hunter um, so so that that was that was how it started and then so my, my second game was the charity shield um, not it's not called that anymore what's it called now community shield, community shield yeah um, which, which is the, the the season opener which is last year's FA Cup winners against last year's champions so that was um, Saints against Liverpool at Wembley that was my second game and it wasn't until my third game, which was the opening game of the next season at, at the Dell, that uh, I actually saw us play at home. So, uh, huh. so uh, that was a, quite an interesting introduction. But yeah, the, the, the charity shield at Wembley, I just remember, all I remember about it was how white the, the old Wembley was when you sort of walked up to it. I just remember how sort of imposing and intimidating it was. And, uh, and uh, Liverpool had a very, very good team. And um, that day, and we, we got, I think we got hammered 1-0. That day, I don't think we had a kick, but we got to be one nil. And uh, so, yeah, that was that was kind of my introduction to it. And yeah, as I said earlier, a few days, uh, sorry, a few years later, we moved to to Portsmouth Country. But my my support, thankfully, was already uh, cemented. Was, was already cemented, and uh, yeah, I took a bit of stick at, at school. But uh, so that when was that? So that was the early nineteen eighties. You know, when, when you're when you're a young kid, it's it's not. It's not too much of a problem. Uh, I never got in any scrapes or anything like that. Probably because I was good at talking my way out of them. But um, so no, and then you know when I, I'm still still going to games, even though we're living in Portsmouth, and uh, and uh, yeah, and then when I moved back here, it's uh, it's just carried on from there really. So it'll never change now, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's... So what what about yourself? Well, see, I don't have the the family thing, so. It, it's been it's been totally kind of different for me because I came in after administration, after League One, after all of that stuff, yeah. um, and it wasn't you know until uh, Southampton were in the Premier League and NBC, our kind of one of the big kind of broadcasting corporations over here in America, started uh, 
really they, they, they bought the rights to, to the Premier League and they really just started hammering it. And that made it available to me. Yeah. Um, and that, that my, my best friend um, having an English roommate in college who happens to be a Tottenham fan, my best friend became an Arsenal fan. So having those two around uh, yeah. c- gave me a little bit of an introduction, but I still thought I played baseball. So it was like, no, that, that, that's garbage, you know. It, 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 there's a bunch of guys kicking a ball around the, around the field. Like nobody wants to watch that. Baseball is really <laughs> where it's at. And, um, you know, so I have my son, my son is playing baseball and I'm coaching baseball and I'm the exact same coach that my dad was to me and that everybody, you know, every coach I ever had was, it was a real hard ass and all that stuff. And, uh, my son comes to me and says, I don't want to play baseball anymore. I want to play soccer. And so after I stopped, you know, crying in the corner by myself, um, <laughs> uh, we, uh, I, I kind of just said, okay, look, like I have, I have some people who know a little bit about soccer. Uh, I have some people I can go watch games with on TV and just learn. Um, and I can, I can then learn with my son. And so from there, we just started watching matches together and kind of trying to learn about the a game. And I hadn't really chosen a team. And I think, uh, my best friend just assumed I was going to be an Arsenal fan because he was, and, and that tends to be how that goes. But yeah. I, I remember going to his house and watching the Arsenal versus um, Southampton match. And I think we were at the Emirates and we won. And it was just, Arsenal just pounded us all match. But Forrester was making stops. Alderweireld was blocking balls and, and making tackles. And it was just like, that's the kind of team I want to support. The, a team that looks to, to, to work together and to, that can be structured and all that stuff. And then from there, it kind of, as I started looking into Southampton and looking at kind of what the team kind of stands for and looking at the academy system, I just kind of said, you know, this is, this is the right team for, for me to support. And it, and it, that's, that's a pretty good, um, that's a pretty good reason to uh, make, you know, make a judgment based on, on those sorts of criteria, you know, come, obviously coming from abroad, that's a, that's a pretty cool way to look at things because you basically said, here's a club that try and do things the right way rather than just throwing money at every problem or, or whatever. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, as, that's as good a reason as I've ever heard, I think, from, uh, from someone who's uh, not a local. That's good. You know, be, I guess because it's still so new you know, to me. Yeah. I, I've always been kind of a, a little bit gun-shy about sharing it, but that, that, that's really it. The, and I, I have to say that the, the, the final straw, the tipping point, was the academy system. Just because when I look at um, the the baseball team that I still love, uh, the Houston Astros, there in 2004 they they went through this whole thing where they sold off half their farm system, half their academy, to uh, to get one player and make a run for the playoffs. And they bought them you know, at the equivalent of the January transfer window half through the, halfway through the season. Yeah, yeah. And they made this run and they didn't win. They didn't get there. And then for the next 10 years, we were absolute crap because we didn't have any youth we were poor and all this stuff then we had you know a a changeover and we really started building over over that period and that was something i really appreciated and all the all the metrics and everything that go into that and so when i saw that the kind of southampton were were doing that and uh coupled with the fact that they all looked you know they were they were playing the game the right way that was like you know there's there's no other alternative here um so yeah it's been it's been it's been a fun couple years um but it's also been uh, uh, still I have a lot to learn and yeah. just try to keep doing it. And that's part of the reason I'm here talking to you is the yeah, yeah, more 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 to learn. Oh well that's I hope uh, I hope you've heard heard some things that might uh, fill in some gaps. <laughs> oh absolutely. I imagine it, but I hope you <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um and then I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name without saying moron, but um 
<laughs> Mr. Stropkins, we'll call him. Yeah, I, I, I've seen this. This is uh, Chris Rand's alter ego, isn't it? Yes. He's, uh, yeah, he's, uh, what he's done, he's created that name by taking bits of, I think, our last five managers. So the, the Kins bit at the end comes from Atkins, and you've got Maurizio and Ronald in there and uh-huh. all that sort of stuff. Um, what, and what, what does he want to know? What I think of him. Yeah, he wants to know what, what his thoughts are on this guy. <laughs> That's a dangerous question. <laughs> he's, he's very, very inventive and creative. I'll give him that. He's inventive and creative, and he comes up with different stuff all the time, which, which, which is amusing. But like anyone who wants to put their uh, opinions out there, probably like uh, you and me, he, he's, there's probably large elements of it's <laughs> probably large elements of and liking the sound of his own voice so <laughs> that's what i think of him all right there it is <laughs> no he's a good lad uh, yeah yeah absolutely and i can't thank him i can't thank chris enough for you know putting me or you know recommending you and 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 you being willing to do this so thanks thanks again oh no worries at all. uh and then the one guy just sent in a comment uh he said i like He'd like you to bring back last season's prefixes for Liverpool and Spurs. <laughs> You're gonna have to explain to me what that is because I don't I don't know. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. I I think every time I referred to them, it was just like <laughs> Liverpool or. <laughs> um, and we had the um, yeah yeah Merseyside red for a bit. We had that for a while. Um, and uh, yeah, North London bastards. I can't remember. Yeah, I could could do a bit more of that. I guess. <laughs> this is all this is fantastic i think it's great um i guess lastly as we as we head towards the end here um we we have you know we're still on 40 points after our last outing and uh last week connor and i we went through the rest of the fixtures for us and for for west brom just in an effort to kind of see you know where we thought they were gonna they were gonna wind up uh would you mind running through that with me and just Giving me, no, you know, let's you know, for it. I mean, you, you said you were crap at predicting results, as am I. Yes. Um, and Chris actually got on me. He just, I woke up, you know, because the time difference is, is is quite vast for me and most of the people I I want to talk to. And so, uh, you know, he sent me a message at some point. And it, what time? What time is it where you are? It is two forty eight in the morning. Oh, you're joking! Bloody <laughs> hell! <laughs> yeah. So I I got up at twelve thirty. So by the time we're done, I'll uh. I will, I will face the dilemma. Do I go back to sleep <laughs> or do I just, there's going to be a premier league match on at some point at five, I think. And it's like, man, if I, do I just take a nap or do I just whatever? So anyway, uh, we have the matches here. We, you, what you want to go through them? Yeah, sure. All right. All right. So Chelsea away. We kind of already discussed that one. Uh, zero points. Zero <laughs> points. All right. Uh, Hall at home. Got to win that one. Three. All right. Uh, Liverpool away. Uh, I think that'll be a zero this time. Okay. All right. Um, and then Arsenal at home. Uh, uh, I'm going to go with optimism on this one. I think we can win that one. They, you know, they're just absolute crap. Um, that, that's not true. They're, they are playing poorly. And they, they've got some very good players, but you, you question their motivation at the moment. They've, yeah. they've got a lot of players who are out of contract or in the last year of their contract. And you, you do wonder if they're um, sort of... Uh, Really uh, putting it in for the shirt, and I think one of the Alex Oxide Chamberlain used to play for us. He he kind of hinted in, in, in an yeah. interview a couple of weeks ago that or last week that um, 
you know they weren't all uh, they weren't all putting it in so that's, and that'll be an interesting one uh, it depend it will depend a lot on where they are in the league they may be completely out of the running for finishing in the top 4 yeah at, yeah at that point so um, yeah but i think we can win that one um middlesbrough away yeah that's a win yeah they can't score no um, they're, they're terrible <laughs> they're going down you know awful team yeah uh united did you see about did you see gaston ramirez yesterday I, I read about it on Twitter. I yeah, checked. he managed to get himself sent off in 20 minutes or something. Yeah, that's just what you want when you're battling relegation. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Play, play, without, play with 10. Uh, and it was, it was two yellows, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, the first one for a dive and the second one for a big horrible tackle straight afterwards. So it sounds to me like he didn't want to play anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he'll be playing in the championship next year. So Yeah. Um, and then we got United at home. Whilst I'd like, with Zlatan being injured, I would like to say that uh, we'll beat them, but it's it's still Manchester United. They'll still have a good team. Um, I would put that one down as a draw. Okay. That, I think that I, I would be happy with a draw. That would be a tough, because they are they are in the running right now for top four, yeah. and it's still United. It's still a big team. And that, yeah, yeah unfortunately, that, you know, United, Arsenal, Liverpool, those are Chelsea. Those are all teams that people support here constantly. And yes, and I I wear my Southampton you know my shirt once in a while, and and people just go like, first of all they think it's one of the teams from Mexico, a lot of people, <laughs> um, and, and especially the kids at school, the kids where I teach uh, most of them are are from Mexico, and so they all you know they 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 all yell Chivas, and then I have to point at the patch, and then they go like, uh, who is that? And I just go never mind, you know, it's not Real Madrid or Barcelona, you don't know who the hell it is. So, um, and then last we finish off, I think we finish off the season with Stoke at home yeah now last game of the season always tends to be um a bit of a flat game especially as neither team's gonna have anything to play for so i'd say that one will be a draw all right all right yeah um west brom now they have fewer games than we do but um you know they're still west brom and they have above 40 points so we'll see um they have lester at home all right did they already play that today is that that already happened um that's something I should have checked. No, I don't think so. No, okay. All I don't right. think so. Uh, Leicester at home, I, I would say, uh, I would say a draw for that one. Okay. Uh, Burnley away. Zero. Yeah. Burnley have still got work to do to uh, get away from the bottom of the league, and they're good at home. So I think they'll beat West Brom there. Man City away. Uh, I think they'll, they'll get minus two. No, they'll <laughs> zero. Nothing there. Uh, Swansea City away. Um a draw at best. I'll give him a draw for that one. Okay. I think Swansea, I, are, a poor, Swansea are a poor side, but they'll be fighting relegation still. So, and yeah, then, I'll go for a draw. And I think they get to finish off with Chelsea at home, who, you know, depending no on how the league, the, yeah. No chance. Yeah. So, I think... Uh, Unless Chelsea have already won it, of course, and then they might rest a few players, but I, I would say zero for them. Yeah, as far as as far as how I went with West Brom, I think the only thing that was different was I gave them a, a I gave them three points at Swansea just because I figure they're going to win one, and that would yeah. probably be the most winnable. But uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for doing that with me, and we'll we'll kind of keep track of uh, you know Chris Chris gave me his predictions too, so we'll kind of keep track of that, and we'll see kind of how it all yeah how it all pans out. It was just 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 for fun, you know. Like I said, yeah. I think okay. that I think that's all I got, and I'm that's sorry fine. to take up so much of your time. That's all right. No problem at all. I really, I really do appreciate you coming on and, and doing this. And 
No, it's good to do. I've never done anything like this before, so it's uh, so it's good. I hope it comes across well. Yeah, no, I think it'll be. I think it'll be good. I won't take up any more of your time. Uh, no. I appreciate. I appreciate everything, and uh, the best of luck to you and and, and all, all the all your family and all that. Okay, thank you very much. Nice to talk to you, Matthew. All right, have a good one. And you, bye bye. Bye bye. And once again, that was my conversation with Glenn Delacour. You can find him on Twitter at l1-10, and you can find his blog at league1-10.blogspot.co.uk. He posts most often after every match, and you can always enjoy a little bit lengthier of a read than uh, a standard maybe match report. And it's going to be like you're talking to somebody down at the pub, and I hope that you enjoyed that. So if you don't enjoy that thing, you don't have to check it out, but I would encourage you to at least uh, give a post or two a chance and uh, see see how, how you like it. Um, maybe don't let your kids read it, though, you know, just because. Anyway, I'd like to thank all of the uh, listeners who sent in questions. Uh, it makes the show uh, a, a bit different. Uh, it gives us something to talk about that doesn't come from our own heads, and so that's often uh, a good thing. So uh, thank you to, to Delta Sphere and to everybody else who sent in questions. Uh, we really do uh, appreciate it. George Maunders uh, and, uh, and more on uh, Stropkins. You, you too, I think. So uh, before we end the show, just like to remind you to check out the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. Matt from the We Are Southampton page on Instagram has been a guest on the show and is a supporter of the show, and he did the logo for the show. So be sure to check out the We Are Southampton page on Instagram uh, for pre-match edits, polls, competitions, and much, much more. Check out the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. Um, That pretty much does it for this week, other than reminding you to subscribe to our feed on iTunes, Acast, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you get your podcast. And also remind you to follow the show on Twitter at SFCDELL underscore IVERY. And be sure to like our new Facebook page at facebook.com slash SFCDELIVERY. That's facebook.com slash SFCDELLIVERY. Like the page, share the page, help other people discover the show by doing that. Another way you can help other people discover the show is by writing a review on iTunes. It helps push us up the charts and helps more people discover the show. So if you're listening before the Chelsea match, thank you. Uh, hopefully we go out and put up a, a good fight. If you're listening after, um, you know, this comment doesn't doesn't even belong. But we have Hull City at St. Mary's at the weekend. And then uh, I think the following Sunday, we're going to have Liverpool, then Arsenal. And then, uh, you know, we have we have some tough games coming up. So we will see how the, how that goes for us. Until next time, I'd just like to thank you for listening and remind you that together we march on. <laughs>